Celia Heritage, a professional genealogist and historian, is a well-known figure in the UK genealogical lecturing circuit. She's passionate about family history since childhood, and she actively promotes sound methodology and accurate source citation in genealogical research as an important uh, and as well as the importance of using a wide variety of sources to understand our ancestors' real lives. And her particular fields of interest are death and memorial records, history on the ground, and genealogical tuition. And she's the author of Tracing Your Ancestors Through Death Records and Researching and Locating Your Ancestors. And she's working on her, a third book at the moment, and Celia will be here in Ottawa for the British Isles Family History Society of Greater Ottawa Annual Conference. And she has a very busy schedule because she's going to cover four papers beyond all reasonable doubt, researching in English and Welsh records, using death records in family history, and I've lost my ancestors before 1837. Celia, welcome, and you're, you've a busy schedule ahead of you. Hi, Austin. Yes, it's going to be a very busy three days, and I'm very much looking forward to it, my first time in Canada. So a little bit on what you'll be talking about and a little bit about what you have, what brought you to this. Well, over the course of the whole weekend, we're starting on Friday. I'm presenting two half-day seminars. And the first of those is about the manorial system and using manorial records. This is very important, not just for your earlier research, but it covers a very wide range of dates, ranging from the 13th century right through to the early 20th century. And manorial records are often records that are overlooked by most researchers. They've got this reputation for being difficult to use. And although there is some justification for that, there's absolutely so much you can do with these records. And then as you build up your experience, you can gradually take yourself back into the earlier, more difficult records. I'm, I said, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to ex let you know my ignorance here. What are manorial records? Oh, what are manorial records? Well, lead a whole hour's interview here, Austin, because this is very, very um, complicated to explain succinctly. But let me just say that from medieval times, sort of, well, from the 11th century onwards, we have a system of land tenure in England and Wales that relates to how people live their everyday lives. And this system of administration, think of it, I suppose, the easiest way is to think of the manorial system as a unit of administration but also it's also a way of living but the beauty is a lot of information about our ancestors and some people think they're all about lords of the manor the, the people who are in charge of the administrative unit but in fact the records actually tell us an awful lot about your average ancestors on the ground so your poorer ancestors and you're basically your run-of-the-mill people and the amount of information you can get from these records where they survive can be stunning and tell you not just about what your ancestors were like and how they were living their lives, but also in many cases they will help you extend your family tree backwards in time as well. So they're very essential records, but the downsides is the survival rates are quite patchy, but they mustn't be overlooked, basically. And Celia, on that, when you said the survival rate, given that these would have been handwritten on a variety of parchment, paper, etc. Uh, where are some of these stored and how available are they? They're stored in many different locations. Many are stored in county record offices, but some still remain in the hands of 
private estates. We have a wonderful tool called the Manorial Documents Register, which will help you locate all surviving manorial records because they can, as I say, be held in numerous locations. So using the Manorial Records Register, it's, it's a way of making sure you've located all those records that do survive for the places of your interest. And also then, and when it would come to the ability to do research, have many of these been digitised? No, not very many. Um, but increasingly, as you all know, more and more records are being digitised. Manorial records are more difficult to digitise because of their very nature. Many are on rolls of vellum, so they're more difficult to film. I'm sure it will happen one day. But having said that, there's quite a few types of manorial records that actually have been transcribed and published. And some of these are fairly easy to get hold of as well. So thinking of people who are researching from abroad, accessibility is improving. But another thing to remember if you're researching from abroad and doing your English and Welsh family history is that you can employ a researcher to go into the record office and pull out records for you. And that's one thing that you should consider because if you don't think about that, you can be missing out on some really important record sources. Another thing that fascinates me about what I'm hearing is that I would imagine then that there is really no consistency across these. And by that, I mean anything we do in the modern age has a structure like an address book, name, surname, first name, address, etc. And all these fields would follow the same order. Whereas I would imagine if in records being kept across a variety of locations, people, etc. The order and the detail might vary from location to location. That's a very good point, Austin. And yes, there's certainly an element of truth in that. But you'd be surprised also how many of these records do conform to certain standards and structures across the board. So even though, for example, you've got a, a court roll, which is a record of the court's proceeding. This is the manorial court, which um, recorded every day affairs on the manor, those court roles usually follow a fairly standard way of being set out, whether it's a manor in one part of the country or a manor in the other part of the country. But on the other hand, yes, there are idiosyncrasies from manor to manor, and you can get differences. And that's something also I'll be looking at in my afternoon seminar on the Friday, which is pedigree, provenance and place. And then I'll be looking not at just how to build up a good research technique, but also how important that element of place is when you're researching your ancestors and considering him and the records relating to your research in the context of each individual place. What I'm finding fascinating in what you're sharing as well, though, is that how detailed uh, people were uh, going back hundreds and hundreds of years in recording what are critical and uh, not just business, I suppose, information, but personal information. Yes, we tend to think of that as being a modern day thing, but it's not. There's always be some, been some sort of authority in charge. and They've always wanted to keep tabs on the population, who they were and what they were doing and how much tax was owed, etc., etc. So one thing I've learned throughout the course of my long career is basically throughout history, human nature doesn't change. And the way we record things, although it might change in the way we store information, we're always after the same sort of information. And to the best of your knowledge, when would you say you are you aware of the earliest of such type of recordings within England and Wales? Well, so if you're looking at manorial records, 
you can find records back to the 13th century. That's when they sort of really begin to get going. For the average researcher, and bearing in mind survival rates, you're probably looking at, generally speaking, 1600s onwards. There's fairly good coverage from many places. But it's it's very much an element of lucky dip in some ways. You may be researching area where there are a lot of surviving records that go back a lot earlier. But if there are, you're going to have to start to develop your skills, learning to read older style handwriting and also having a grasp of some Latin. Because up until the early 1700s, these records, if you're talking about manorial records, would have been in Latin. Your presentation on the last day is, I've lost my ancestors before 1837. So this would all tie in on that also. Yes, I mean, the the key point there is that date, 1837. And 1837 is when in England and Wales we saw the introduction of civil registration of births, marriages and deaths. And from that point on, you have a centralised index of births, marriages, deaths. And from 1841, you also have the decennial census returns. And generally speaking, no matter where your ancestors travelled in England and Wales, from that point on, you should there are always exceptions, but you should be able to locate them. Now, before 1837, we don't have those centralised records. We're very reliant on sources such as parish registers, which were all collated locally. And there's no centralised index of information in those sources. So as a researcher, you have to do a lot more groundwork and have a much better research technique to firstly locate the necessary records and secondly, make sure you're identifying the correct family in those records. And if your families moved around a lot and people moved around and migrated within the United Kingdom far, far more than we give them credit for before the 19th century, if they did migrate, it's going to be very hard in some cases for you as a researcher to A, find where they were originally, and then B, find the evidence that this is the same family that moved 100, 200 miles away down south or somewhere. It can be very difficult, and it's very easy to make mistakes in your pedigrees, especially before 1837. In terms of history, 1837 is very, very recent when you consider like um, who we are and how far back we go. But you're also presenting on researching English and Welsh records offices. Is there a difference, and was there a difference in how the English and the Welsh recorded things? There are differences, and one, of course, being the language, and although a lot of Welsh records are in English, at some points they're not. Um, there are also differences in terms of administrative units, and especially if you're researching on the border of England and Wales, things to be aware of, the changing boundaries, and also the fact that many Welsh places have at least two, sometimes three different versions of place names. So you have to be aware of that when you're researching. So it's important to have that local knowledge. And when I'm doing this lecture about researching English, English and Welsh records, record offices, one of the most important things is realising that while you may not physically be able to come over to England and Wales to research, hopefully you will, but if you can't, there's still a not an awful lot of information that is available for you to identify as being useful to you by simply looking at the online catalogues for these record offices. And then if you can't physically visit, as I said before, you can employ someone else to come and pull out the information you need for you. So that's very important, I think. Well, Celia, I don't want you to uh, give everything away, and you have a huge agenda, as we said. The conference starts on Friday the 29th, but you're on 
at 9am on Saturday the 30th with Beyond All Reasonable Doubt. I see you're then on again also immediately after lunch. And yep. that's where you have researching your uh, in English and Welsh records. So that's one at one thirty, and then uh, Sunday, uh, you're not getting any time off either. <laughs> either. No, I'm not. <laughs> nine nine a.m. on Sunday, you're uh, using uh, using death records in family history, and then again at one thirty on Sunday. Uh, the I lost my ancestors before 1837. Full information is available on www.bifisco. That's b-i-f-h-s-g-o.co about the conference. And uh, uh, hopefully, I would hope that I get an opportunity to come out and uh, listen in and sit in on some of the lectures. Celia, I want to thank you for taking the time and giving a slight flavour, and that's all it was meant to be—a slight flavour of what is a fascinating topic and topics that you'll be covering. Thank you very much.